Hi, and welcome to Growth, a podcast that seeks to inspire entrepreneurs, interact with ambitious people, and be a source of information that enables you to grow your company and yourself. My name is Matthias, and I'm your host. In this episode, we will meet Marianne Ricketts, the CEO and founder of Vibio. We met for a talk about talent and how she, as a non-tech founder, have built a tech company. Welcome, Marianne, to Growth. Thank you. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you here. So to all of our listeners that might not know you that well, why don't you start with a short introduction? Okay. Absolutely. My name is Marianne Ricketts. Um, I am the CEO and founder of Vibio, um, the Norwegian video tech company that I founded back in 2016. Great. And Vibio, you say it's a video recording company. It's a video tech company, yeah. Video tech company, sorry. What do you do? What is Vibio? Well, Vibio is a software company. We've built an online video maker, which is mainly targeted at providing an easy solution for workplace communication in the format of video. So where people internally in a company can very easily create um, videos to share for all sorts of messages to their employees and across the workplace um, for a range of purposes. So literally making video a really accessible and easy format to use without needing expertise within video. So the software makes all of that super simple and then, um, yeah, makes pretty much anyone a video creator. Sounds really, really cool. Maybe we need to talk more about that <laughs> when we end this recording because we I'm should. really, yeah, Definitely. I'm really interested. Um, so you said you were founded back in 2016. Yeah. How has the growth journey been for you since then? It's been five years. It's been five years. And I think, you know, for, for, for me as a non-technical founder to come up with an idea and I had an interest and I was curious about communication changing an awful lot um, in in 2014, 2015. As a graphic designer and working in communications, I was acutely aware that a lot of what we were doing wasn't working very well in reaching audiences online. So a change was needed and I saw an opportunity where I thought, video just as a medium has such a great potential and has proven to just grab our attention far outweighs any other kind of written or just image-based format. So when I started the company, that was all I knew. I had this idea and um, it was impossible for me to start building something day one. I needed to go out there and try and validate my idea to see if this was something that a market saw, needed, had a pain within. So initially I started two companies alongside each other. One was Vibio, which was going to become a tech company. The other one was Vibio Productions, which was a small um, video production agency. And so it was the agency that initially got um, this off the ground And that is where I hired the first people, video producers, uh, content creators. And we went to the market with an idea of creating small, bite-sized, maximum one-minute long videos at a really cheap, really fast rate for businesses to be able to communicate with any audience in the video format. And it took off initially that first year. We bootstrapped. We got ourselves off the ground with, I think we created something like 500 videos in 12 months. And we were about... 
seven or eight people at that point. And we learned enough. I mean, obviously, the background of, of doing all of that work was to get enough data points and understand enough about the market that we could have a fairly good idea of what was needed to make video more accessible. Yeah, cool. And, and just to, because uh, you said something really, really interesting there at the like. very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a non-tech founder mm. of a tech company. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about talent. So I'm just, before we, you're going to f- uh, finish the story about mm-hmm. the growth journey up until now, but I just want to ask first, how how is that? Starting a tech company when you're not, not a Not tech a person. tech person. Yeah. Well, I think... For for a number of years before this, I think mean, the whole world has been swamped with technology taking over so much of our lives, and we we become very hyper aware of technology and how technology both starts to to impact work and how it enables uh, efficiency and all of this. So so I was very very aware of how technology could be utilized to really make change, make the way that we work more efficient, etc. I obviously had no idea how to create code or build something but I understood enough about the problem to 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 think I can hire those people to make that idea you know fruitful and and shape that into something so obviously I knew that it wasn't going to be Marianne building this thing I knew it was going to be you know a journey with hopefully the right people along as long as we validated that this was an actual fact a problem worth solving and um and we did then then you know it's been a massive learning journey for me I think you know I've learned in five years more than in my 40 years before that so so it's in that to me is is big reason for doing this as well is that I was curious about learning something completely new based some of it on my understanding from obviously my background um, but then aiming to build a company of the right people and figuring out together how to take a product to the market and how to validate it and test it, et cetera. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I might have been naive to the problem, but at the same time, I was super keen to, to just go on that journey. And, and I guess in some ways that's the cool thing of, of starting like something like a startup is that you really have no idea how that's all going to go. Um, and each day you learn something new and, and, um, and then you build those bricks yeah. initially. And, uh, the first building blocks that you built uh, creating Vibio, did you, uh, what kind of um, challenges did you find when, I'm guessing you needed someone within tech, a tech person Absolutely. or two in the beginning. And I found that, you know, once we got to the end of our like fact finding year of, of producing videos and understanding the market, I then had to take the step across to to really start to understand what do I need now of people that I don't have because the tech there was a non-existent tech department obviously at that point. So I at the time we were sat in in startup lab and we had access to uh, to a lot of very smart people there, a lot of very technical founders, etc. So I did start to really reach out through the network to understand, you know, how on earth do I go about finding tech people? Because wherever I turned, you know, the message was very much that these are a diamond, it doesn't, it's impossible to get hold of them. And how would they trust 
your idea enough to want to come on board. So that took that took quite a lot of work and, and luck would have it that there were enough there were people in that network that knew of tech people that didn't quite fit for their businesses, but would have the right profile for what I was about to want to build. So so we managed to get hold of initially one uh, tech person and Vibio had its first real employee at the start of our second year. So uh, and 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 then finding tech people who are quite good at networking and they obviously know a lot of their their own crowd. So most of that initial tech team was built through those first few people having a very strong network and being able to pull in p- the right people that they knew. Um, but obviously for me. I was I was having to let go of a lot of control because these the, these types of talents were not people that I would ever know how to hire or I wouldn't know how to interview them even. So so I am <laughs> looking back. Obviously, there were a lot of mistakes made and there, everything wasn't a perfect fit. But at the time, it was exactly what we needed because we had to start to together start those conversations about how on earth do we start to build a non-existent software just based on knowledge and this idea that we have. So we we got through the first half of 2017 with a small tech team of two and then three people and we got an MVP, just like a scrappy solution off the ground enough to test what didn't work. (laughs) And then we took all the learnings we had and we managed to um, then within the next four to five months to actually um, bring to the market quite a strong um, product, a first kind of beta platform, um, with still most problems not solved. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it was, um, those first years were full of, as they typically are, I mean, for every startup, um, there are more questions than answers always. And yeah. you just have to kind of pick your fights and, and realize what does and doesn't work. And same goes for people. Right, because you start somewhere what is perfectly great and a good fit and works for that where an idea is at at that stage, that changes quite rapidly because everything in a startup moves much faster than in any, any traditional um, setting. Um, and so with people, I find that that has been a massive challenge because there are so many unknowns at the same time as you have to run extremely fast. And then you put people into that mix and you're supposed to have people to fit with that crazy, unknown, fast journey. Yeah. So. And because um, now we're in 2017, so mm. we're uh, just a year down the road, really. Mm. Um, and you had three uh, tech employees yeah. at this stage. Did you, because I've talked to several uh, non-tech founders and though they typically speak the same language as in English or in Norwegian or Swedish or whatever it might be. Uh, The industry language, on the other hand, uh, (laughs) there might be some struggles to kind of, do we really speak the same language Mm. and do we understand each other on the level that we want to understand each other? And especially maybe from a founder that has the idea very clearly in your mind and you visualize it and this this is how it's going to look, this is how it's going to work. Did you, at this stage, have any uh, issues with kind of communicating in the right way oh, yeah. for them to understand what you wanted and what we, the company... Most definitely. And I think there I had a bit of an, 
maybe additional issue because I come from a creative background and I'm so used to understanding a customer and what they want visually. So I'm very visually visually driven. And how I would pitch a job and how I would take something, um, visualize it and then deliver it, that does not at all translate to how you pitch an idea and, and take it take it together with a tech team through the stages. So we had a lot of like <laughs> a lot of miscommunication and a lot of like started and then completely roundabouted uh, stuff happening initially because we did talk past each other. And I did spend a lot of time sketching and drawing. Um, which was interesting because how I would visualize something might not at all be the right way to do this in a software, you know. So, so, so there were all sorts of big reasons why we couldn't initially um, see it in the same way. And so we had to be willing to actually, um, for me, it was difficult to put something out that could be seen to be lo- looking pretty sl- sloppy. Yeah. Uh, and then for them to convince me that that was the right thing to do yeah. because, you know, it's about the functionality. It's about what what that system would actually en- enable someone to do. And if you tell them that this is just the first prototype, then obviously they're in the frame of mind that they're looking at what it will actually do. For me, as a, <laughs> as a creative and as a very visual person, that was really painful. Yeah. And I'm, I was also always way too uh, much of a perfectionist. And that does not at all fit with building something from scratch. So I think I was very much a frustrating factor early on, certainly for the tech team, um, because they had to obviously speak to me like I was a child in their language, in a sense. Um, And then we did a lot of iterations on stuff that probably early on should have been easier to just visualize together. Yeah, Um, what's, um, when you have a tech team that's trying to race a child <laughs> yeah, like that. Um, but on the other hand, you're supposed to motivate mm-hmm. your leader mm-hmm. at the end of the day. How do you go about doing that? Well, I think I, I realized through um, the latter part of 2017 that, you know, there were so many things as a CEO of an early phase startup that I need to spend time on. And you get you start to get a very clear idea of what you just you, you're hampering progress, right? You're you're in the way. You you don't have enough knowledge to be the one always um, setting the parameters of where to go. So thankfully, I managed to attract, I should say, which was amazing, just the right person at that time. I managed to get the most amazing um, head of product in late 2017 who obviously she is technical and she has done this before and she has built product but she's also a creative she's done web design all sorts of things so so she was my translator and also the person who could like take hold and know how to scope and set um you know limitations for how much we would do at any one time and how to test it and everything so I think that is a lot to do with I didn't know that that type of a person existed. That's how little you know initially if you've never built software before. I didn't know (laughs) that that was something I needed. It became crystal clear through a lot of pain that that was what I needed. And and for whatever amazing reason, this person had kept an eye on (laughs) on me. I think she had a lot of... She's told me later on that she, she giggled 
maybe even out loud on a couple of conferences where I was on the stage talking about my idea of Vimeo yeah, because okay. she knew full well that what I was talking about wasn't at all what this would probably be. No. So, and it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Looking at Vimeo today, spot on, 100%. And yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's about not necessarily knowing what you need and then being willing to, to, to learn and, and to listen, I think, at those points. So I had to really just kind of drop my guard a lot yeah. and, and involve myself in a lot of um, discussions and, and listen to people about what they've done and what the right things to do might be, etc. Because we're talking about motivation and we're talking about work culture and as a founder, how would you say it is to work with motivation towards your team when you know that you, because we talked a little bit about this before we started and um, you have a gut feeling and you have a product and Kind of the path is very clear to you mm. in some ways. In some ways. Um, and you have a motivation that no one else can ever get to getting towards that path. Yeah, exactly. How do you work with your employees? Because I know a lot of founders actually struggle with this because they can't really understand. Why aren't you as motivated as me to... Get no. through with this. No, I mean, I think that's... Well, the answer is quite clear, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I know. But, but it is it is something that I would say, hand on heart, most founders uh, are, you know, do wrong in one sense, that we we obviously burn a lot on on the topic of what we do and why we do it, and, and, and that, that mission kind of sits at the core of, of, of each and every day for us. And it so doesn't... Um, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to expect that of people who haven't borne that idea and haven't, you know, haven't have not got that same reason for um, getting up in the morning. They're there to do a job and they're there to get really good at it and they're there to be developed and have a have a journey of their own that hopefully, you know, brings them a lot of success and yeah. motivation along the way. But uh, no, I know for sure, certainly early on, um, I would sometimes you know, feel like I would lose motivation in some way by the fact that I didn't see that mirror of my own energy coming out yeah. of the, the people on the team. And, you know, I did understand. It took a little little bit of time, but I did fully understand at one point that yeah. what I was expecting was was completely, you know, bonkers. It yeah. was... Uh, I, I would never... <laughs> Have, have have given that much extra in in a job necessarily. You need specific reasons to um, to go that extra mile. And even though people do, um, you know, my team do, they they work a lot, um, yeah. and they they are willing to constantly stretch um, the way they go about their 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 job and and the way they kind of lean into their own learning, etc. That that is how they self-motivate yeah. as much as me being like the cheerleader constantly, which which I still am far too much, I think. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I bubble over. I'm a, you know, often Alexandra kind of goes, that's enough of you. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, maybe right back there at the core of me, I'm still, it makes such a difference to me to kind of try and see that twinkle in the eye in yeah. team meetings, et cetera, of people 
just validating that they still really enjoy what we're doing and they still really believe in it. But that's as much as I expect right now, you yeah. know. Yeah. Now to wrap up the podcast, I have one question that I tend to ask everyone. And if we look back in time, is there any advice that you've received in the past mm. that you want to put forward to our listeners? Yeah, I think um, with the background and everything that I have and the world I come from um, and the stuff I've done in my life, I've always been too good in some sense. It, that's with, you know, quotation marks. Um because I am a perfectionist at heart and I, and I try to really be best at everything. And my, one of my absolute closest friends who I've always looked up to, a very fantastic girl who's gone a long way in her life, she said to me <laughs> at one point, um, I'm not going to swear, but it came with a swear word to begin with. And then <laughs> so it was swear word and then good girl. So it basically just means just don't try and always be a good girl. You know, don't try and check every box or be something for everyone. Take a breath, drop your shoulders down and do one thing at a time. And nobody expects you to be perfect. So you put that pressure on yourself. And I still struggle with that. I still do put a lot of that pressure on myself. And then I have her sitting on my shoulder a bit, just kind of giving me that swear <laughs> word. Like, don't don't be that girl. Um, and that's a good reminder yeah. that that is important. Um, because, yeah, what expectations we put on ourselves rarely actually mirror the expectations of the people and the network around us. Yeah. So beep, don't be a good girl. That's <laughs> where we end things. Thank you so much for joining our podcast, Mariana. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed myself. Good. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to my talk with Marianne. Want to listen to other talks that we've had? Make sure to subscribe to Growth wherever you listen to podcasts.